Welcome to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 58. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. This episode of the Wide Teams Podcast is made possible by generous support from Argyle, offering professional services with a niche focus in QA strategy and automated web testing. You can find out more about Argyle at ARGYLE.com. Joining me today, I have Bob McWhorter of Red Hat. Bob, thanks for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So uh, why don't you start um, just uh, by introducing yourself a little bit, who you are, where you are, what you do, and um, and then we'll take it from there. All right. Well, uh, as you mentioned, I am Bob McWhorter. I, I work for Red Hat, and I have for the past uh, six years or so. I've been in the industry in general for about 15, of which only a year and a half was spent in an office. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar with remote work and distributed teams and such. And I'm pretty well distributed at this point with uh, myself living in rural farmland, Virginia. And uh, I got guys in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and Asheville, North Carolina, and Minneapolis, and Newcastle, and uh, Wroclaw, Poland. So oh, wow. we, we're, we're, we're pretty well uh, distributed. And plus, just the nature of open source work is uh, a lot of our contributors are also distributed all across the globe. Right. Tell me a little bit about your history with remote work. Now, is, is Red Hat the first uh, group that you've worked distributed with or, or not? It'd be the, the the first group I'd say was a real distributed team that, that has lasted for, for a good long time. Um, before that, I have you know, been a remote worker for other companies uh, just throughout my career. Like I said, I've only spent a year and a half in an office anywhere previous to that. I was, uh, you know, I, I kind of cut my teeth in the open source world. So I learned coding through distributed work with guys all over the country and all over the world. And then I've worked, uh, for other companies as a remote worker, not so much a distributed team. And my, my first real experience with distributed teams was with a, a startup that, uh, was called Radar Networks and was ultimately bought by Every, which I think is a, a search company. And there I, I went through the transition of being a part of a distributed team to simply becoming the remote worker. And that was not sufficiently fun. <laughs> but, uh, Red Hat, you know, all it's uh, we we have a very large percentage of our workforce is, is distributed. You know, we we hire people wherever they sit, and we we don't make too many uh, demands for them to actually go to an office or anything. Nice. Okay. Now, uh, Red Hat does have offices in uh, what North Carolina? Oh, we have offices all over the globe. I mean, there's uh, some in North Carolina. We have one in St. Louis. I think there's one in Minneapolis. We have one in Westford, Massachusetts, Singapore, mm-hmm. Australia, everywhere. Um, a lot of these are sales offices, and then on the the Red Hat side of the house, the Linux side of the house, a lot of those guys do go into the office. But more specifically, JBoss, the uh, Java middleware division, we uh, we're we're fairly not office bound, so okay. we, we get to be wherever we want to be. And uh, and so, how did you get uh, hooked up with Red Hat? Well, so I, I'm, I guess I'm somewhat notable from having created the Code House probably about 12 years ago now, which is a uh, kind of an open source community akin to the Apache Software Foundation. Never quite got that large, but it kind of gave me some notability. And I, I kept crossing paths with the JBoss guys before Red Hat purchased them. And uh, so I just was was in touch with them, and they needed someone to run their community probably six years ago, the open source side of the community. And they, they brought me on then, and then I, I actually migrated out of kind of this community management and moved back into engineering. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I've been for the past four years or so is doing remote development or distributed development within an engineering capacity. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about 
how that works. What's your uh, what's a day in your life like? Well, day in our life uh, kind of starts with IRC. I mean, our lives really that that's our office because we don't have an office and it's the one place everyone can be. And so, you know, every morning I wake up, I uh, connect over to Freenode, and then Red Hat also keeps an internal IRC server running. And we, we have a team channel there. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we uh, coordinate work, we tell jokes, we uh, insult each other, whatever we got to do. You know, it's kind of our, our water cooler, if you will, kind of revolves around IRC. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we, we have a team that has about 10 people on it, but we, we're distributed across maybe four or five different projects. And so, you know, we, we pair off to work together, um, not necessarily pair programming. We don't do very much of that at all, but we, we make commits. We, we push code to, to GitHub and we ask people to review it or pull it down or what have you. Um, we coordinate a lot of our work through, uh, Jira, you know, the bug tracking system. And, uh, once a week we actually use Google Hangouts so we get a little bit of face to face time. And, uh, so it's, for the most part, it's, uh, IRC is where we kind of spend our time. Um, and then other than that, uh, we, we work kind of independently, but with the assistance of uh, each other as necessary. Nice. So did you find that uh, your experience with open source developer communities kind of flowed naturally into into developing with a distributed team? I think definitely. And plus, I'm benefited by the fact that Red Hat and JBoss is still open source. It's not just taking open source methodologies and applying them to proprietary software. I, I still get to do open source. So I don't have to worry about, you know, how do I share code behind the firewall or whatever. I mean, all of, all of my code, my work code is on GitHub. And so that, that makes that easier. You know, we, we're not just trying to take the methodology and apply it. We, we're still just doing it. You know, we, we're doing open source, but I think absolutely. Cause I, as I said, I, I kind of taught myself programming through, through open source. I was working back in C++ back in the day on, on Doug Schmidt's uh, ACE project out of the Washington University in St. Louis. And uh, it was there that I learned how to coordinate with people through email lists, how to, to use uh, bug tracking systems or whatnot, how to submit patches, you know, to, to work with people I had never met. And I think that has really, really benefited me now. You know, my team, we, we all do get together face to face, you know, a couple of times a year. But it's still it's, it's nice to be able to have that confidence to work, work with someone that you can't just walk down the hallway and, and speak to or, or throw a Nerf ball at, you know. Mm-hmm. What are some of the lessons you've learned about? Uh, working with a, such a distributed team? So, I mean, communication, of course, is what I'm sure everyone will tell you, but communication for us really takes the form of artifacts created by our tooling. So, like, when I write a commit message uh, for, for a GitHub commit, let's say, you know, I try to put a lot of information to that because that becomes our team memory, and that's where I need to actually leave the, these mouse droppings, if you will, so other people can <laughs> figure out what it is I did or what other people did. You know, when so often when you're working on proprietary software that's internal and you're not using your commit log as a way to communicate, mm-hmm. you just you might have a commit message that says changed code or fixed a bug, you know, if that or trying something out. Where when you're you're committing it and you're you know your commit messages are going to be a way to communicate that that people are going to be reading these to figure out what you did, because they can't just come down and knock on your door and then ask you well, what's this code about. So you know you spend more time writing better bug reports, writing better commit messages. And so that's that's one of the lessons we've learned. And, uh, you know, when code breaks, as it inevitably does, you know, we, we have uh, continuous integration, a CI server out there that lets us know when it broke. And then we can go track it down, and you know, use Git blame and read the commit messages and figure out who to blame or am I just doing it wrong. And so this this kind of communication and realizing that your tools are, are not just a, a burden to you. It's not like, well, I have to write a commit message. It's an opportunity for you to actually explain what you're thinking and what you're doing. And that then becomes your your team your team memory moving forward. 
So what goes into a good commit message? I don't know if I can actually say. Um, you know, I guess talking about what you're doing, why you did it, uh, any any weird gotchas that went in there, and I and I think really the best commit message is a, a, a is a well written commit message and a complete sentence on a small commit. You know, and that's the key is you know try to make your commits. 15, 20 times a day or whatever you need to do, as opposed to, you know, it's five o'clock. I need to commit my code before I go home and, you know, committing a whole day's worth of code that is not very granular. But instead, you know, you solve one little thing. You, you can write your two line commit message, which isn't long. It isn't very descriptive necessarily. It tells enough of what you did, you know, what bug report you're fixing. Mm-hmm. But then the commit itself may only be 15 lines of code. And then it stays very readable that way. You know, as opposed to having a day's worth of code, which may be 300 lines of code that touches six different issues. Mm-hmm. Nice. So uh, IRC, commit messages, Google Hangouts, those are your main modes of communication? Yeah, and uh, in JIRA for doing bug JIRA, tracking. okay. You know, okay. We, and we create bugs both internally and then also since we are open source, our users are out there committing bugs or creating bugs in JIRA for us. And then you know, we'll use that to organize our roadmap, which then is, is a feedback back to our community. They can see when they can expect to have certain bugs fixed or certain features implemented. And so right. you know, they, they put stuff in, and then we, we, we muck about with it and organize it the way we want, and they, they get information back out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have much email going on as well, or is that just... You know, we, we keep Amazing. mailing lists. Well, we do keep mailing lists, but those are mostly kind of outbound for relating to the community, you know, where it's not so much for internal, my team communicating with each other, because there we're using IRC. It's a little bit more real time. Um, but we do have email lists for each project, and it's it's if someone has an issue or a bug or uh, whatever, they, they tend to hit the email list first, and we'll use that to communicate with the community, but not so much within the team. Mm-hmm. Um Occasionally, like management stuff or HR things that come through, I need to share with the team. I'll hit forward and send those on. But email is just uh, is not the preferred way to communicate really these days. Mm-hmm. And as far as just like divvying up the work, you just you basically hash that out on IRC every day. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm ostensibly the manager of ten guys, but thank God I don't actually have to manage these people. They're all very self motivated, uh, self starters, whatever buzzwordy thing you want to use, but they, they know what to do. You know, they, they have ownership in these projects. They, uh, they know what they want to accomplish with them. I, I might give them some vague ideas of a, Hey, product management wants such and such by such and such a day. But other than that, they, they figure out what they want to do. And really that, that kind of comes out of my, my thoughts with open source is that open source, you, you have an itch you want to scratch. You just have something you're passionate about doing. It's not an assignment. And so I, I never have to give these guys assignments. You know, I don't give myself assignments. I wake up and figure out what I want to work on today, what do I want to work on, not, you know, what, what's been assigned and what kind of deadline do I have. You know, we're, we're certainly very blessed to have that kind of situation where I know a lot of proprietary software shops, they have very strict deadlines and very strict, you know, function points they must implement and lines of code, metrics, and all sorts of stuff. But uh, we're allowed to be creative, and that gives us a lot more freedom when it comes to having to manage assignments is that we, we don't have to. We, we, we get to work for six months and just kind of show off, hey, this is what we accomplished in the last six months. And so, you know, between a couple of people working on a single project, they, there certainly is some you know, handoffs of, hey, I don't want to work on feature X. Do you want to take care of that? You know, we, we both agree feature X needs to be accomplished, but I don't feel like it or I don't feel like I have insight into it and hand it off to a friend or whatnot. And so that occurs. But for the most part, there's there is no you know, work order or list that we have to follow and, you know, hand out assignments and, uh, which is good because I'm, I'm actually a pretty crappy manager when it comes to stuff like that. <laughs> Did you, um, you, you had some experiences with remote, remote work before Red Hat. Did you have any experiences that didn't work out so well that kind of taught you some lessons about how, how 
not to do it? Sure. So I think, you know, it, for me, I've, I've written a blog post a couple of years ago, which you know resurfaces every now and then on Twitter. But I, I make the distinction between remote workers and distributed teams. And, and for me, if you're a remote worker, you're probably not going to enjoy your job. Because if you are remote, that means that there's a, a majority of people who are probably not remote. And so mm-hmm. now you, you are the black sheep of the team. You are, you are separate and apart, you know, both physically and also just mentally. And so this, this company that I mentioned earlier called Radar Networks, it was a startup that initially had like four engineers and we were all distributed across Michigan and uh, Georgia and uh, New York City, I think. You know, we were just all over the place. And that worked well because we were all on equal footing. Once they got some venture capital funding, uh, they set up offices in San Francisco and everybody except for me moved to San Francisco because I'm, I'm a southerner and I like staying in the south and I was not going to move to south to uh, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I became the remote worker and mm-hmm. my job changed radically. Not as far as, you know, my day to day, what code am I writing? But there were meetings I was missing out on. There was uh, hallway conversations I was not privy to, you know, which ultimately does affect the direction of the product of what you're building. But I I, I, I was lacking understanding the motivations and, and what was going on, you know, halfway across the country or all the way across the country. And so it, I, I felt kind of disconnected, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. and it was uh I no longer felt like I was on equal footing and uh, things were happening without my knowledge. And it makes you feel like a second class citizen. Right. And so uh, I'm, I'm really not a big fan of being the remote worker. You know, mm-hmm. I've been approached over the years by other uh, other companies who are like, hey, Bob, we'd like you to come work for us. I'm like, well, is everyone remote or would you be making an exception for me to be remote? Because I'm not moving out of Virginia, you know. Right. And they said, well, we'll make an exception for you. And <laughs> that's that's not a situation I want to be in. No, that's that's the the exception. The exceptional remote worker is always uh, a danger sign. Right. Yeah, because um, you're, you're just going to miss out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I often think of those as uh, satellite workers, and it seems to be seems to be one of the most difficult situations there can be. I mean, is it even possible, do you think, to have a good team relationship with, with one person that's remote and, and a few people that are in the office? Is it doable? Um, so I, I, I worked for Caps Logistics, a division of the bond company at one point. And so we were doing a uh, vehicle routing and scheduling. And so there we actually had, we had one really smart guy who lived, I don't know where, but he worked by himself. It was his job to come up with these, uh, you know, algorithms and, and heuristics for solving these NP complete problems of, you know, the traveling salesman pro- problem. And so we, we didn't necessarily have a good team relationship, but he was happy because he was he was one of these ivory tower guys who was thinking of algorithms. He, it didn't matter where he was. You know, every couple of months he'd ship us a new algorithm. We would put it in the software. It would work. You know, <laughs> and so it was uh, in that kind of situation where you're very, very specialized and you're kind of a craftsman just doing your own little thing. You know, you have your deliverables where you don't have to interact. I think possibly that could work. But I think in general, no, I don't. I don't think you're going to have a team mentality of that team culture, mm-hmm. you know. And I think ultimately, for this type of software I enjoy developing, it requires a team. I don't like just being the one guy in his basement by himself, you know, producing a, a very specialized product. Mm-hmm. So, um, as you mentioned, you're you're a southerner. You like living in in Virginia. You know, one of the things I love talking about with people that are working in distributed teams is the reasons that you know that they. They are where they are instead of at, in some big tech hub. So can you just uh, talk a little bit about, you know, why you like where you are and what kind of freedom you have because of, of your work arrangement? Sure. So, you know, I, I grew up in Georgia and I, I missed the whole tech boom, I guess, of the, the late 1990s and early 2000s as far as never having moved out to California. No one, no one ever hired me out there. And so I never left the South. And uh, 
I just, I kind of like the mentality here. I like the uh, cost of living down here. I've never had the reason to go to California and live there. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I like having the flexibility to kind of set my own hours and work when I want to work and don't work when I don't want to. And, uh, not having to be wrapped up in the whole big city life, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. I, a lot of my neighbors here are, are, are cows and cattle. So <laughs> I'm okay with that. Very nice. And so, uh, you do set your own hours. You don't have like set like hours that everybody's online or anything like that. Well, you know, a lot of us are North American and a lot of us are East Coast. So we do keep roughly nine to five, but to some people that's, you know, six in the morning to three in the afternoon. And, you know, to other people it's, uh, 10 to six in the evening or whatnot. Plus then we mix in the guys in Europe and, uh, you know, we, we have some overlap, but if we don't see someone for a couple of days, that's fine. You know, and then even some of the East Coast guys, you know, sometimes you just got to go dark. Sometimes you just had enough of the chatter and IRC that you just need to ignore it all and, and work for a few days, you know, and you can always be, uh, pinged on, IRC or someone can send you an SMS or something, but you know, we, we, we talk when we have to, but we don't set specific hours, but we, we're all mostly middle-aged guys who like keeping nine to five and having family hours in the evenings and things like that. But you know, if, uh, if you have an appointment in the middle of the day or you want to go take a yoga class at two in the afternoon, by all means go for it. You know, mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we, we have the flexibility, you know, we, we ultimately don't measure hours. We measure what have you produced in your, 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 your weeks or your months of working on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, and I, I'm grateful my boss, he, he's in England also, so he's not keeping close tabs on me, but he just sees, you know, every couple of months what I've produced, what, what we've released in the open source or whatnot. And as long as everyone's happy, then, then everyone's happy. Hmm. If somebody, uh, wanted your life and, you know, wanted to live, live where they live, and uh participate in a team like you're on you know if they wanted to get hired by a company like red hat uh what should they do what uh what career moves should they, should they make so i've always said that everything good that's happened to me in my career has been a result of open source i mean open source is a way to kind of build your notoriety to gain some reputation to make contacts and do some networking i mean everything that that's benefited me has been because of my work in open source and, you know, of course, that does mean sometimes you're spending your weekends or your evenings working on a project that doesn't pay you. But, you know, that's that's because you have a passion to do this stuff. And ultimately, it pays off in the long run, I think. So I think, you know, even though I work for an open source company now, I, I'm sure my next job, even if it's not open source, will probably be a, a reflection of who I've met in my workings with open source. And, uh, you know, I guarantee you it was going to be another remote distributed team kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to move to San Francisco and work in an office. That's just, I put my foot down, but I, I think I've developed a reputation over the years now of a being able to successfully work remotely and not be micromanaged and then, uh, be, a, you know, producing good work product. So I, I say, uh, get out there and, you know, make a name for yourself because this, this world is not about resumes. It's about reputation. And so, uh, open source and GitHub and everything is a great way to develop your own reputation and to make contacts out there in the world. I mean, uh, JBoss itself, we, we hire from the community. So if you are, uh, you know, a JBoss user and, uh, you, you're, you're showing up and asking a lot of questions and answering a lot of questions and providing patches and we get an open slot to hire somebody, who, who are we going to hire? We're going to hire that guy we know, the guy who's yeah. already been there talking to us. You know, we have, uh, we, we don't really very often go through piles of resumes just looking for a candidate. Because, uh, you know, I could tell you five people I would hire if I had slots to hire right now, just based out of our community. Nice. Okay, well, Bob, uh, before I let you go, where can people find out more about you and about uh, the projects that you work on online? 
So uh, my team is informally called Project Odd. So you can go to projectodd.org just to see the code we're writing. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Bob McWhorter, all one word, lowercase, of course. And then I have a very, very out-of-date blog at bob.mcwhorter.org. And uh, other than that, uh, IRC, we hang out in the Torque Box channel, which is uh, the project I started that does Ruby on Rails on top of JBoss App Server. And then also the rest of my guys hang out there or in Immutant or uh, a couple of other channels that I can't think of in the moment. But IRC. All right. Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. And that's our show. Hope you've enjoyed it. To subscribe to the show, if you haven't already, or to hear more interviews like this, go to wideteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store, where reviews are always very welcome. The Wide Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Bouquet. Until next week, this is Opti Grimm, signing off. Wild, 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 wild,